Amen. Appreciate that. Thank you for that. I was reading this morning in the book of Exodus, reading through my Bible, and uh, and I, you know, they're building the temple, and I got halfway through there, or the tabernacle, rather, excuse me, and uh, as they're, they're doing all of that, and then we get through there, and, and God starts dialoguing with Moses, and he says, I know thy name. And, uh, and I thought of that song this morning, I thought, boy, that's a a blessing and just happened to read that and so praise the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles open up to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and uh, our theme for the year is striving together as we had talked about last week and I, I do not plan on preaching on the theme every Sunday just so you know that uh, but I, I do plan on bringing it up and uh, talking about it regularly throughout the year and uh, at least referring to it. And I believe it is something that is important uh, that we as a church would work together and strive together uh, towards the same goal and towards the same things. And, and so uh, we do want to certainly reference that and bring that up. And this morning I want to preach on striving together in ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And verse number one, uh, the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able." For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envyings and strife and divisions, are ye not yet carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, and are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted... Apollos, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor." For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Let's stop right there. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you again for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house. God, I pray that you would use me this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart this morning. And Father, as a church, that we would strive together uh, to serve you, Father, in ministry. God, I pray that you would just again touch hearts as only you can. And Father, certainly We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we see in our text here, uh, the church at Corinth had a lot of problems. There's no doubt about it. Matter of fact, uh, I, would, I would definitely say do not model your church after the church in Corinth because it was really problematic. And as you notice, he says, he starts right off in chapter 3. He says, hey, they're babes in Christ. Uh, they're, they, they're not mature in their Christianity and, and there's some things. So uh, the Apostle Paul constantly deals with all of the problems 
problems that they have there in Corinth. Uh, and so he gives here an excellent lesson on striving together without strife. And that was one of the issues that they were having in that church. Uh, I've been in a church with strife before. I've been in more than one church with strife before. And let me just tell you something. It's not an enjoyable experience. When, when there is strife and there's not unity and the church does not get along and they're not working together, boy, it's like, honestly, it's a drudge to go back to church every Sunday. You're like, man, what's going to take place this Sunday? And, and it's really hard to worship the Lord. It really is. And I thank God we, we, had, a, we had a phenomenal spirit last week. Uh, notice I didn't say number. We had a good number, too. I'm not saying that. But, but I tell you what, I'll take five people in a sweet spirit over 5,000 and diversity. Uh, any day. Any day of the week. Uh, and so we had a sweet spirit last week, and I thank God for that. And, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that we have strife uh, in our church. We do not, to my knowledge. Uh, but we certainly want to maintain that sweet spirit and unity as we move forward and we strive together. And there's no, there's no doubt when, when you work together, some people are going to rub you the wrong way. They just are. Uh, it was mentioned in Sunday school, that uh, the adult Sunday school class at least, that, that you know, uh, husbands and wives, you know what? Sometimes they have friction. Hey, brother, same thing in my house. You know, I'm, no, I'm, not, a, I'm not perfect. Uh, we don't have a perfect home. And, and there's no such thing as a perfect church. Uh, and so we will run into problems on occasion. We will have uh, differences of opinion and differences uh, of things, but we want to strive together in ministry. I love verse number six and verse number seven because it says this, God gave the increase. Boy, that's a, good, that's a good verse. And that's what we desire in our ministry. That's what we want. And the illustration that Paul uses in chapter 3 here is that of a field and that of laboring together in a garden or in a field or a vineyard, as he's mentioned here, and, and, uh, and going out and, and laboring and some people planting and some people watering. So I want to look at this passage this morning and I want us to strive together in ministry. Well, we cannot get past the first three verses without noticing this, that Paul gives us some indications of a problem. Um, there's a lot of sickness going around. I don't know if you noticed that. And, and, uh, and sometimes, I, I hate to be sick. I mean, uh, I just figure I don't have time to be sick. And, and I don't know anybody really that has time to be sick, but I just... I just don't like to be sick so bad that I just pretend that I'm not and, uh, and just keep going. And sometimes that'll catch up to you. That's not, I don't advocate doing that, by the way. But, uh, uh, but, but I just hate to be sick. But you know, when, you're, when you are sick or when my, my children are sick, you know what my wife does? She checks a few things. She watches them. She looks for symptoms. She says, hmm, forehead's a little warm. Hmm, been, not been herself lately. Hmm, nose has been running a lot. 
I've heard a lot of coughing. She looks for those symptoms to determine and say, hey, there's something that is going on and this person is not feeling well. In, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives us some indications or some symptoms of a problem that could occur. He starts off, Paul's pretty blunt in chapter 3, and he's pretty bold in his words that he says, and he starts right off by letting them know, hey, that you're a car church. Uh, that's what he was telling the church there in Corinth, and it was a problem, uh, no doubt, and thank God that, uh, uh, that that is, I would not describe our church as that today. I thank God for that. Uh, I've been in churches, sometimes when you start a church, you know what? You're going to have a carnal church, because they're all new people. They don't know anything about the gospel. They don't know anything. And I've talked about starting a church before uh, and how it was very interesting. But he, he says uh, that they're carnal and they, don't, they didn't know anything. They weren't getting along. Um, you know, carnality is really spiritual immaturity. Uh, and spiritual immaturity does not get work done. Uh, as we had little children in our house, uh, you know, we would teach them to do chores. And, uh, and, and then uh, we'd continue to have them do chores around the house. Can I tell you this, that little children, when they do chores around the house, they're not carrying the workload. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that. They're not even carrying 1% of the workload when they're doing the chores. Sometimes them doing chores creates more work for you as a parent uh, than if you were just to do it yourself. Uh, but, but we have them do chores. Why? Because we're teaching them. We're instructing them. We're expecting them to grow. We're expecting them to take on more responsibility and to learn to handle that responsibility in life. And so I advocate chores. I think, man, you ought to teach your kid. One of, one of the things I think in, in society today is people don't expect their kids to do anything. And, uh, and that's a sad, that's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. We're not going there today. But, uh, but the children don't carry the load of the house. Uh, you don't expect children to go out and, and plow the fields. Uh, if a farmer had, a, had his fields, he wouldn't say, uh, hey, children, you know, that are five and six, and go get on the John Deere tractor and take it out in the fields and plow my fields up. You, he wouldn't do that. Why? Because they're too small. That would not, uh, they would not be able to do those things. And he does not send them out into the fields to plant the seed. And he may send them out to pull some weeds after his plants are grown up and mature uh, so they don't pull the wrong ones. But uh, what I'm saying is children uh, are not carrying the bulk of the work. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is telling them, hey, as, as immaturity, you are unable able to carry the workload of the church. And he gives us a few symptoms that we ought to watch for in our own life. Look at verse number three as he lays them out very clearly for us. He says, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you, and he gives us three things, envying, there is strife and divisions. And those are three indications of problems that you can see in a church. The first one being envying. Envying is feeling uneasiness at the superior condition and happiness of another. In other words, that somebody would be doing well would bother you. 
and, and, and so-and-so would, uh, would go by and, man, it would bother you that they're able to teach or that they're able to carry a ministry or that they're able to do something would not set well inside of you and it would bother you. Listen, that's envying. Uh, we need to be careful of that in our life. Hey, it's okay that other people do things. And, and it ought not bother us uh, that, that somebody else can do something in the church. The Bible says you don't have to go there. You can just note it down in Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 9. Uh, just one verse. The Bible says, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. It's kind of the middle of a message that's being preached, and he references the patriarchs. He references the, uh, the, the nation of Israel when they first started, Jacob and all of his sons, and how the other sons became envious of Joseph. You know the story I just read through the book of, Re of Genesis, and, and as I was reading through, I, I love the story of Joseph. To me, it's just a phenomenal story. And uh, uh, Joseph is a great character, a great uh, uh, son to, to, uh, to Jacob, and he's serving the Lord, and he's doing the best he can, and, and all of his other brothers really knew him as the goody two-shoes. And they thought, man, that Joseph, he's always going to tattle on us. And it, became to, it came to become an envious problem for them, because they were uneasy about how good Joseph really was. It didn't set well with them. It bothered them because they knew that in their life, they messed up. And so they didn't like to be around Joseph. It would bother them because of the envyings. Well, the Bible says there in Acts 7-9 that they sold Joseph into Egypt. Well, listen, envying, if it's left unchecked and if it's left to grow in our life, engages in strife. And those brothers, that's a perfect example, Joseph and his brethren. And, uh, and you know the story how uh, the brothers were out, out away from home and uh, Jacob sent his son Joseph. He said, hey, I want you to go find your brethren. And, and so he's off finding them and, and they see him coming afar off. And you know what they start to do? They start to talk and they start to devise a plan and they're saying, hey, let us kill him. I mean, man, he is such a problem. And they're, they're talking about uh, killing their own flesh, flesh and blood brother. Boy, that's pretty serious. That's what envy, left unchecked, will breed. It will come to a point of strife and contention. Uh, and it will come to the place where uh, they're trying to actually uh, harm or, or uh, do damage to somebody else. And so we have envying, and then we have engaging, which is the strife part of it. And, uh, and they wanted to take Joseph, and so they took Joseph, and they threw him in a pit. Good old Reuben, the eldest brother, he was thinking, I'm going to go back and get Joseph out and send him back home. Like, I don't want him to die. I, I don't want to do harm to my brother. But while Reuben was away, Judah uh, started conniving and planning and said, you know, uh, it's not going to help us any to kill him. I got a better idea. Here's a band of Midianites. And why don't we sell our brother instead? Man, we can have some money for it and take it home and go party. 
And, and so that's what they did. And if, if you read it, you'll find that Reuben was even upset because uh, after all, he, he planned on coming back and getting Joseph out of that pit and sending him back home so he could be safe. And so uh, some of the indications of problem are envy that is within ourselves. Listen, that's not detectable oftentimes by the naked eye. We don't always see that. But when it starts to engage in strife, just like the brothers, and they said, you know, this guy, he's a problem. Joseph bothers me, and I don't like that he's always doing good, and I don't like how uh, he's the father's favorite, and, and all of these things. And they started to talk amongst themselves. Hey, they started engaging in strife and bringing in a, a, a group of, of people to, to do something about it. And eventually, look at what it says in our text here in chapter 3 and verse number 3. Envyings and strife, that would be engagement of envyings, and then divisions, that's going to be entities. That family was divided. Hey, listen, they were against Joseph. They said, let's get rid of him. We don't like him. He's, he's a bother to the family. And so they, uh, there were divisions and pockets among them. That is almost the exact scene that the Apostle Paul is describing in Corinthians chapter number 3. He says there's envyings. In other words, inside the church, some are not feeling comfortable with other people because they're better off or doing better uh, in ministry than others. And, and it bothered them. And eventually it turned into strife. And eventually it turned into pockets of divisions within the church where you had this group that was against that group, just like the brothers uh, that you had Judah. And he rallied his other brothers. And they really were kind of against Reuben, even though uh, they may not have known that. And Reuben Reuben had other ideas and, and little pockets of divisions had been formed in this church. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you that those are indications of problems. We got we to gotta be aware of those things. And, and we ought not have envying in our, in our hearts. That's where it starts. And so if we watch for that, oh, well, uh, you know, so-and-so, uh, they, 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 they do this thing. They maybe play the piano much better than I do. Or so-and-so maybe runs the sound system much better than I do. Or so-and-so, whatever it is that, that they do, hey, we ought not be upset that they do it better than we do. We ought to say, praise the Lord. Hey, that, that, that something is being done for God's honor and for God's glory. And so we find in verse number three, the indication of problems. But I want you to notice this in verses five and six, because verse three, we must keep in mind. We must always be aware and we must always be watchful for those indications of problems in our own lives. Look with me in verses 5 and 6. We have the involvement in production. He says there in verse number 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now I want you to notice in verses 5 and 6, the involvement in production. No farmer has ever sat on his porch and not plowed his fields and not planted seed and expected crops to come up the next year. No farmer ever has just sat there and said, you know what, I'm going to wait. 
Watch them fields. and Watch that seed come up. Not if he hasn't gone out there and plowed. That would be absolutely foolish. That would be a total waste of time. He's not going to sit there and just expect that those fields will get plowed and that those fields will get planted all on their own. And I want you to notice the involvement in the production as we have uh, Apollos and Paul. I want you to notice the, the function of the work. Hey, listen, there's two distinct jobs that, that the, uh, the Apostle Paul mentions here. One is that of, of planting. But there's actually a step before planting, and that's plowing. And listen, somebody's got to go plow the fields. I mean, they don't plow themselves over. And, uh, and if you plant in a field, if I were to go out in my yard and, and dig a little hole and plant some seed, uh, I might have something come up amongst the grass, but I probably would mow it over because I don't know where the, the garden starts and the yard ends if I don't plow the fields. And so you have to plow the fields. That's one job. That's turning the dirt over. It's hard work. By the way, that's why I don't have a garden. I don't want to go out and plow my field. I don't even own a field. I own a little tiny yard, and I don't have that much room to put a garden, and I'm not interested in, in turning all that dirt over. That's hard work. And listen, sometimes uh, it's in the work of the ministry, some of the things to do are, are hard work that's not easy, that needs done. And we find the plowing, then we find the planting. Save your spot here in 1 Corinthians and go with me to Matthew chapter number 13. I want you to see this passage. We're not going to expound upon it this morning, but I just want to read it and reference it. Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 3. Matthew 13 and verse number 3. We're talking about planting. And listen, sometimes one guy may go out and plow if it's a large production, and another guy may go out and actually plant the seed. And we find here in Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 3, I love this passage, and he spake, that would be Jesus, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell upon among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, and sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And I'm just saying that, hey, listen, the Apostle Paul said, hey, I went out and I planted. He's giving an illustration. He's saying, I was involved in the planting work. And listen, I've often thought that God has called us to be planters of the seed, not soil inspectors. Sometimes we're so busy looking at the soil. Well, that guy, I'm going to give that guy a gospel track. Uh -huh. That guy doesn't look like he's going to get saved. I'm not going to give him a gospel track. Stop looking at the soil and get the seed out. 
Stop worrying about, about whether or not that guy's going to receive it or not. And, and if God tells you to give him a gospel track, give the guy a gospel track and witness to him. And, and you'll never know what will take place. Maybe you'll be turning over ground. Maybe it will fall on hard ground. Maybe it will fall on rocky ground. Maybe it'll fall on, on, on uh, thorny ground. But listen, God never said, uh, hey, don't get the seed out. Be careful that you only get it in good soil. He wasn't, he wasn't telling them not to put the seed seed out, but rather get the seed out and leave the results up to God. So we find that there's planting. Listen, uh, we're to get the seed out. We're to plow the dirt. Uh, Then back in our text, we find that there's watering and that there's weeding. Listen, Paul said that the the apostle Paulus, or, or the Apollos, excuse me, watered. And listen, sometimes... We witness. Sometimes we teach. Sometimes other people witness. Sometimes other people teach. Sometimes we pray. Sometimes we do all kinds of work. And listen, sometimes it's the effect of multiple people laboring in a field that somebody's life is changed. But we all got to have a part. We all have to be involved. If you want to see uh, something being done, then we have got to be involved in what we're doing. It it takes more than one person to make a Sunday go around. Uh, it, it It takes more than one person to teach all the Sunday school classes, to run the buses, to visit, to pray, uh, to, to, to lead the singing, to do all of the work that goes on in the ministry. And that's just one Sunday that we see and that we've, we, we notice what's going on and, and how much more that we don't see when we have a, a, a nursing home service or visits that are made and, and this work. Or maybe you're at work and you're praying or you're visiting or you're witnessing to your co-worker and at home maybe you're praying for the church and for the services and, and all of the labor that goes on outside. Uh, Listen, there's all kinds of different functions that we do. And we're not all able to do the same thing. I've I've said it many times that, uh, listen, you don't want me working in the kitchen. I mean, I might be okay to take out the trash and stuff, but you don't want me cooking. Uh, I just don't do good at that. That's not my forte. And uh, uh, listen, there's some things that some of us can do and there's other things that other people can do and there's no reason to be envious. Uh, Trust me, I'm not envious at those who can cook well and do it. I'm glad they do. And I say, praise the Lord, I enjoy to taste and to eat and I can do that and I don't have a problem with that. And and so uh, we have different work that we do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, and verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of our faith. Listen, everyone is going to have a different capacity and a different function and a different ability than maybe we have. And we ought to use our abilities that we do have for the honor and glory of God. You say, preacher, I can't teach a Sunday school class. That's fine. Pray for the Sunday school class. Pastor, I can't can't work with children. That's fine. Pray for the children. Pastor, I can't do this or that. That's fine. I understand we all cannot do everything. That's perfectly fine and that's perfectly acceptable. Hey, but we ought to do what we can do. Be involved 
involved in the production. I want you to notice this as well as we look at Paul and Apollos and their different functions that Paul would plant and that Apollos would water. There was different functions, but I want you to notice this as well. The Bible says there in, um, in verse number... Eight. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse number nine. For we are laborers together with God, and ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Listen, we may have different functions that we do, but the field that we labor in is one. Hey, God has placed us right here in Ohio, in Massillon, Ohio. We have Perry, we have Jackson, uh, Jackson, we have Navarre, we have Canton, we have North Canton, uh, we, have, we have Richville, we have Canal Fulton, we have all of these towns around us. And, and listen, that is our field that we're laboring in. That's where we're going to go out and we're going to plant. That's where we're going to minister. That's where we're going to do things. And we're going to minister even right here in Anchor Baptist Church. That's where God has brought us together and, and allowed us. This is the field of our labor. And so we're all working uh, in the same place, even if we have different functions. We need to understand that, uh, that, that we're laboring together in one place. We need to be involved in production. I want you to notice this in verse number 6 and 7. I referenced it earlier. The Bible says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I want you to notice the increase in produce. Now let me say this really quick and let me just state this. We need to be careful that we don't fall into the mindset of growth, 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 numbers, numbers, numbers. we got to be really careful of that. Hey, listen, there were godly prophets in the Old Testament that went out and did exactly what God told them to do, and they didn't see any results. We need to understand that. Because if our mindset gets off on uh, and, and listen, I'm grateful for the numbers that are here. I'm grateful for people that are coming to church. I'm grateful for that. I'm not trying to, to say, well, we shouldn't see that. And I'm not saying that at all. But our mindset should not be that, well, if, if we're not growing, that God is not blessing. There are places that are very hard to work in that God would send a witness and they would not see any, any results from that witness. We, so we need to be careful of that. And one of the dangers of that mindset is, well, if we don't see growth, then, uh, man, we're going to start grasping at straws and we're eventually going to abandon the Word of God so that we can see the results that we're expecting and drawing people in. Listen, if you put on a good enough show, you can draw a crowd. But we're not interested in a show. We're interested in truth. We're interested in following God. We're interested in obeying God. We're interested in doing what God would have us to do. And so I'm not against uh, growth. Praise the Lord. I, I, I enjoy seeing growth. It pleases me. Uh, it's, it's wonderful, to be honest with you. But listen, that's not our goal. Our goal is to work for God. 
And so we see the increase uh, in produce. Uh, and I want you to notice the Bible says here in verses 6 and verse number 7, two times he states it, it's that God gives the increase. I love this in verse number 5. I want you to notice this. It's the humility of the Apostle Paul. Look at what he says there in verse number 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe. The Apostle Paul, in my opinion, was one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament. Probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, Christians of all times. That's just my opinion. Listen, God used him to pen just about half the New Testament. And God used him in a mighty way. You talk about a man that was submitted to God and, and followed God and, and a man who uh, suffered for the cause of Christ and, and he was stoned and he was shipwrecked and he was thrown in jail and, and he was beaten for the cause of Christ. And I'm just saying, listen, he was a man greatly used of God who sacrificed of himself and, and was willing to do whatever God would have him to do. He's really a phenomenal person. But then he says here, I love this in verse number five. Who then is Paul? You know what he was realizing? You know what he realized? You know what he was expressing to them? That Paul is replaceable. Amen. When we think that we're God's gift to the ministry, buddy, we got a problem. When we start to think that we're the only one that can make this thing go around and that everything hubs around us and that we're, the, we're, we're God's most valuable gift to the ministry, whatever ministry, buddy, we've got a problem. And the Apostle Paul was humble and he said, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Hey, listen, I'm expendable. I'm replaceable. Anybody that would follow God can stand up here and, and, and preach the Word of God. And anybody that would be willing to serve the Lord can teach in a Sunday school class. And anybody that's willing to be used of God can, can do the jobs that we're doing. We're replaceable. By the way, we ought to be because, listen, we've only got so long that we can serve. And then what happens the youth tonight are going to take over. Hey, that's down the road. That's coming. That's going to happen. And I'm not talking about tonight. I'm talking about a couple years down the road and things will change. Why? Because that's the nature of our life. We can only serve for a while. We can only serve for as long as we can. And we need to realize that, hey, listen, uh, that we need to be humble in our service and in our attitude to the Lord. Paul was... Humble. I love the Apostle Paul. I want you to notice this. Not only was he humble, but I want you to notice that he was faithful. I'm reminded of the verse in Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You say, preacher, I've been working at this for a long time. I've been doing this and doing this, and I just haven't seen any results. Hey, you just keep serving the Lord. You be faithful to Him and leave the results up to Him. Be faithful. The Apostle Paul was faithful. No, no farmer, no gardener goes out and plants a seed and then goes out the next morning and he's looking for the, for the plant to, to grow. No farmer goes out the very next week with his sickle in hand saying, man, I'm, I'm ready to get the, get the harvest. No, listen... 
it takes time. It takes work. It takes effort to watch a ministry and watch the Lord's work to flourish and grow and produce. And listen, sometimes God's timetables are not on our timetables. And sometimes, listen, the ground needs turned over and turned over and turned over and turned over. And I know of people in ministries who have never seen results, but they were faithful to God their whole lifetime and died, saying, I don't know what took place. But I was where God wanted me to be, and I was doing what God wanted me to do. Hey, praise the Lord. That's what, if that's what God wanted him to do, that's where God had him, then praise the Lord. God has his purposes, but we need to be faithful to what God has us to do. Then we see, lastly, God gave the increase and the fruits there's two things I've always thought about the fruits. One is, and I've heard it said many times, that fruits are souls. And there's no doubt about that. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And there's no doubt that, listen, Christians ought to reproduce Christians. In other words, that we ought to witness, that we ought to see people saved. And I can assure you this, that if you never put seed out, you will never have a harvest. Amen. I can assure you of that. Now, on the flip side of that, as we've talked about, you may put seed out and still not see harvest because the ground's hard. It's rocky. It's thorny. It, 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 it's, it's not right. But I can assure you that if you never put seed out, you will never get a harvest, no matter what. And we ought to be planting seed. There's no doubt that souls ought to be saved uh, in a ministry. And, and again, those results are up to God. We don't force people to get saved. And, and, and if God does not bless, like I've said, that takes place sometime. But listen, we ought to be doing our part in sowing the seed in everywhere we go and, and, and do our part to make sure that, hey, uh, that it, we're not, maybe we're not seeing a harvest, but let it not be our fault that we're not seeing a harvest for lack of sowing seed. So we find that souls is one of the fruits. And I think the second fruit very clearly in the Bible is the, the spiritual fruit. The Bible says this in Philippians 1.11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, meekness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And, and it gives us the whole list of those things. And maybe you will not see souls saved but if you're planting and you're watering and you're doing what God has told you to do, hey, listen, you're going to come up with fruit in your own life of long-suffering, of patience, of meekness, of temperance, of love, of joy, of those things in your life saying, I know I'm where God wants me to be. I know I'm doing what God wants me to be. And I'm going to be a tree of life that when people do look at my life, it's there. And they say, man, I, I want what he has. I want that fruit. I want to be saved. And, and may they see us. We notice there that God gives the increase. I want you to notice in verse number 8. It says, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. 
And every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. You know, one of the problems with communism is it only takes one person to figure out, I don't have to work and I will eat. I don't have to do anything and I will still be taken care of. That's the problem with communism. And, and, and listen, in a ministry, you could all sit down and you could say, well, the pastor will go visiting and give out tracts and, and man, we'll see the fruit and we'll see the reward and man, we'll, we'll, we'll see the ministry grow and, and, and praise the Lord, that'll be good and, and we'll enjoy all the fruits of that. And, and you may, but there's no reward for you at the end of the day. The Bible says it there in verse number eight, as clear as can be, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Brother Preston, come up here for a minute. If Brother Preston goes out and, and um, Brother Doug Simon, can you come help me too? Sorry, you got his Bible all open and ready. Come on up here. If Brother, if brother Preston works with Brother Doug Simon and he witnesses to him and, and he's praying and then, and then Brother Preston's done that for a long time and, and, uh, and, and there's no results. Okay, you can, you can go over here. And then I come along and I knock on Brother Diamond, Simon's door, maybe I, whatever, I come and I, I run into him and I witness to him and Brother Simon gets saved. We both labored in that. Brother, Brother Simon is not my fruit well because I was the one that knocked on the door and I happened to lead him through the whole plan of salvation and he prayed and trusted the Lord as a personal Savior. It's both of our efforts and probably other people as well that were involved that we never knew about and, and both of us will share a reward for the one person that has been saved but those who have done nothing will not have a reward. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you, fellas. You can sit down. What I'm saying is one person may go out and harvest the fruit. And you, one person may be really good at that. He, he may be good at, at finding the trees and shaking them and finding the ripe fruit and, 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 and getting that fruit and, and seeing people saved. But listen, just because one person is, is good, that we ought not be envious. We go back to the very first point. We ought not be concerned. Well, that guy gets to lead everyone to the Lord. And, and, and man, uh, everyone's getting saved with him. And hey, we ought to still be praying. We ought to still be watering. We ought to still be giving out the seed. Because hey, if we're working and we're involved, and we're doing something, then God knows what we've done. God knows how much water we've put out, how much weeds we've pulled, how much seeds we've planted, even if we're not the one to pluck the fruit off of the tree uh, and see that person saved. We are involved in the ministry, and God knows every ounce of, 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 of work that we invest into His ministry. And he says, every man will receive his reward. I could go on about all the ministry involvement. And, and you, sometimes you look at stuff and you say, well, how's that matter? One of the things that we, we've been, our, our church has been complimented for years on how, how clean and nice our church looks. That's a credit to the people clean. That's a credit to the people who take care of that stuff. 
And you know what? When somebody comes in uh, to the church house and they're lost and they don't know the Lord and, and they walk in and, and, and they're not distracted because, ooh, there's, man, it looks like the carpets haven't been cleaned in a month or uh, it looks like they haven't been, you know, vacuumed or, or the trash is overflowing or uh, whatever. They're, they're not distracted by any of that. Hey, listen, they can work on, they can listen to the message of the gospel. And what I'm saying is every part of the ministry is important from cleaning floors and windows, emptying trash all the way to doing outreach and, and knocking on doors and giving out gospel tracts and running the van route and teaching Sunday school and singing in choir and playing instruments and running the, uh, the, the, the media, the ministry back there and the soundboard and uh, the, the, uh, all, of it, all of it is important. And all of it has its place in ministry so that we can reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The nursery workers take care of babies so that people can sit in here and listen without being distracted by, by babies crying or moms being distracted by their children. I'm just saying that we all work together. And God knows, and I'm glad God does. I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to. Tell you what, I, I, I wouldn't have the first clue about keeping track of everyone's work and everyone's labor and every hour that they put in and every time that they study for a lesson or do this or that. God keeps track of all that. And he'll repay. And God is a just boss. And he'll keep track. And I thank God for that. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're talking about striving together in ministry indications of problem. We saw the involvement in production that we have to be involved. And then the increase in produce, that's up to God. That God would do something. That God would work. Father, I pray that you'd bless our church. That you would help each and every person, Father, to get involved in the ministry. God, I'm grateful that you know exactly what every person does. And that, God, you keep track of that for us. I don't have to do that. God, I'm grateful. And I'm grateful that you see things, God, that I don't ever see. People involved in ways that maybe I might never know. God, I thank you for each and every person that's involved. And God, we want, we want to see numeric growth. There's no doubt about that. But God, we know that the increase comes from you. And if you choose not to give us increase, God, that's, may we be busy doing what you would have us to do regardless of that. But that we would see spiritual maturity at the very least for our efforts invested and our lives growing and growing closer to you as a result of laboring and being involved in the ministry. God, I pray that you'd bless our church. Help us to strive together. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, as the piano plays, are you involved in the ministry? Is there things that you could do that 
maybe you're not doing. Maybe praying more, maybe passing out tracts. Listen, giving out tracts is one of the easiest things anybody could do. Praying is one of the easiest things anyone can do that. There's so many things that anybody really could do. That we need to be involved in ministry. Maybe you're here today and and you'd say, well, I'm I'm not saved, but I want to be. I was not really an evangelistic message this morning. But God wants to change each and every life. He wants to save you. He wants to make you a new person. You can't be involved without being saved. That's why Jesus Christ came to this world and died on the cross of Calvary to save you from your sins. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you want to join the church. Whatever the need, the altar's open.